Brit Puke. Brit Puke. Jason, go back to our house, eh? <laughs> hey, baby, what? Hey, you got a damn bit pick. I'm just freaky. I'm drunk. Listen, listen. Why will you agree to let Brendan and Jason in our fucking house again? It's because it's good for us. It's a sprash, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, this Bob House blueberry is fucking yummy. I don't drink a lot of fruit, but I make an exception. Oh, I just emptied mine, boy, crack it. That's a good one, that's good. Well, you should probably get back to the den. Yeah. And play a little, uh, Risk. Little COD. Uh, Call of Duty Team Risk, yeah, I love that board game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm a sucker for tie-in merchandise to my favourite AAA video games. Maybe I'll use my mother's credit card to purchase The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, I don't want to be sad. Alright, alright, Last of Us Part 1, then. Alright. That's a happy time. Oh shit, they're coming in. Let's get out of here. Let's go. Oh, Jesus. Jason, why did we have to rent this place again? Well, it's tradition. Uh, Whenever we do an episode that is of our picks, we have to do it here. I mean, I don't know if it's been tradition for long enough that we can't change it. Well, no, but it is. It, the thing is, is that we've. This is like what the second, third time we've done bread picks. Second, second? Yeah. yeah. So it is tradition now. It's oh, unfortunate. Okay. And once you're locked into tradition, there's really not much you can do to get out of it. Um, there's nothing you can do. No, I mean there is paperwork, I mean, but it's very expensive. And I mean, especially if we start building statues about our tradition, like yeah. those statues will stand the test of time. We should not touch those. No, no, absolutely. We, uh, especially right now as living people, we should be memorialized as statues. Yes. But, uh, uh, someday we'll be dead, and, and our Opinions will never be, uh, you know, unpalatable. Yeah, and if anybody tries to tear down that statue, we'll, we'll have people rise up and say, how dare yeah. you? Yeah, because it's hurting us who are dead. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> Jason, it is time for uh, the return, but our first our first episode of three. Yes. But it is time for the return of... Brightbacks! And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the show where Brendan and I, personally, with our own attention and care... Uh, curate uh, an episode each based on a film specially chosen for this occasion by each of us according to our whims, our fantasies, our loves, our hates, our interests, our non-interests, and our lovers. Wow. Mm. And then for the third one, as I announced uh, last week, we will be talking about a very recent movie called The Gentleman by Guy Ritchie. Yes, and as a longtime Guy Ritchie fan, maybe not counting Swept Away... Or King Arthur. Or King Arthur. I didn't see King Arthur. I didn't see Swept Away either. But King Arthur would certainly be more up my alley, but I can't imagine it's... Is it is it overproduced? Like, it's, in, it's in the a, Guy Ritchie way? It's a Guy Ritchie movie oh. with so, King So there's Arthur. a lot of, like, really fast camera cuts and, yeah. like, slow motion and yeah. shit? Okay, all right. It's not very good. No, it's a shame. Swept Away, though, I hear, is magnificent. Yeah, well, Madonna, come on. <laughs> but, did you ever see Dick Tracy? Mwah. Yeah, it's a flawless <laughs> film. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about the gentleman in two weeks. All right. But this week, this week it's my pick, Jason, yes. my Brit pick. Um, but before we get into that, we should read some comments from the last film that we did on the BFI Top 100, and that was The Servant. 
Well, Jason, before we get to the comments for the servant, I actually do want to read a couple things we got we missed missed just missed just under the wire for Alfie because I thought they were uh, one of them is pretty wild. Well, <laughs> our, our old friend Susie Cuthbert says. I watched Alfie when I was in labor to take my mind off the pain. It turned out to be an odd choice. Dot, yeah. dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What a <laughs> what a movie to pick. <laughs> man. Next time like, you how, want to take a look at IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> like, how would you just, know, though? Like, well, I suppose, yeah. Know. It's not like in the log line. It's like, and then the lady gets an abortion. <laughs> and Alfie is very sad. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, I believe I sent this to you, but, uh, Aylan Allen. Great name. Yeah. He says, uh, watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it. It is obviously portraying a sexist, but I like the myriad of women he associates with. Agree with a lot of what was said in the podcast. Thank you. Uh, I like that he was associating with a myriad of women. And while sometimes he did let some down like Annie and Lily, others moved on from him when he wanted to get back. Gilda had her, had her, uh, settled family. Uh, Ruby turned the tables on him by seeking an even younger man, while City rounded off the film by using the same phrases that he had used to indicate his interest that had been lost earlier. I didn't even catch that. No, uh, but yeah, no, that's absolutely like she she blows him off in, in kind of the same way that he would blow somebody else off. And, and yeah, it's funny we didn't pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't pick up that it was the exact same phrases. That's cool. Um, finally, I thought the whole abortion scenario was very powerful, and in no way could I see a Hollywood film daring to deal with the subject so strongly, and it really elevated the movie for me do you know the the are you at least familiar with the existence of the television show known as uh, degrassi colon the next generation yeah i've never i'm a, i'm a terrible canadian because i don't think i've ever watched an episode besides the ones that had jay and silent bob yeah i've seen those and i saw the, i watched the pilot originally because i was a big fan of the original run of degrassi um and they did an episode which i did not see but they did an episode a two-parter i think in fact dealing with abortion and I, to this day, I believe it hasn't aired actually in the United States, that particular episode. I know that uh, the Nickelodeon or whoever was running those in the States just wouldn't – straight up wouldn't air it. So, but, but, <laughs> but Jason, they're the most progressive nation in the land. Yeah, you'd think. You'd think. You'd think. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about – so before we start our series called More Attack, we, uh, we need to read some comments – uh, we're gonna re- we're gonna read some of the comments from last week. We're gonna read the comments about the servant. So why don't you start us off here, Jason? Well, uh, a person who must be British, and if he's not, uh, he really should apply for citizenship. Wickham Clayton. Have you <laughs> heard of a British name? Just based on name alone. <laughs> oh man, that's that 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 guy dresses well. He drinks fine liquors. Wickham Clayton is the kind of guy think... who knows the people you want to know. Listen, Jason, I think he might work for the Kingsman Secret Service. I, I believe so. I wouldn't. It, it would not surprise me. But Wickham uh, says, just phenomenal all the way through. For me, this is the screen pinter the way it should be. Dark and unsettling with thematic cohesion that is still often unexpected. I like Pinner and Losey's accident and the go-between a lot, too. But this has a real angry energy, which I adore. Accident, is that a movie? Uh, I mean, I, it would be weird if he was just like, my favorite, my favorite <laughs> collaboration character. is when they got into an accident. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, it could be a play. It could be a TV show. It could be a multimedia installation. I believe it is a movie. I've heard it. I've heard it mentioned a couple times, but, uh, but yeah, I, I believe it is a film, film. Well, 
you know me i like the go between in concept but it's a it's a long slog of a movie in a way the servant was not the servant yeah we're talking about the servant in the way the servant was not the servant was great like i the pace of the servant was really good i was i was enthralled the whole way through but the go between is it's a long slog of a movie <laughs> yeah and it's not even that long of a movie like technically but it's it feels just, like it. yeah it's it's yeah yeah i mean it's 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 good it's fine it's fine it's fine um, I'll give you the next one, Jason, since I read a pretty long one earlier. All right. Andrew Littlefield, another serial commenter, writes, I usually read reviews and whatnot before I see a movie, but in college, I got to see Raising Arizona at a preview without knowing anything about it, and I loved it. It's still one of my favorite Coen Brothers films. Yeah, because I, I, I did mention that, you know, neither of us knew anything going into this, so that was his that was his relation of a similar oh, okay. story. I, I, I was really confused there for a sec. I was like, wait, was I supposed to watch this movie? God damn it, <laughs> Jason. Didn't you, didn't it, watch, but... you didn't watch Raising Arizona? That was part of the homework. Damn it. I'm the worst. <laughs> but yeah, so, I mean, do you have another movie that you walked into cold and was just like, wow. Hmm. Well, I mean, actually, probably, well, I mean, obviously doing this list, a few, uh, I've kind of yeah. had like that, like with Brief Encounter, where I knew it was a David Lean movie, but I didn't know anything about it, and it fucking blew me away. Um, but in the theater? Wow, or, that's a or, good question. I mean, in general, I guess. On, 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 I mean, uh, surely I must have, just give me a sec here. Uh, probably bad boys for life for me. Didn't know what was going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> no, you know what? I, oh, I, do oh, have, I got it. I got okay. it. Um, the movie, a movie I went to, didn't know anything about it, just went randomly because my friend worked at the theater at the time and I ended up liking, even though I don't really remember anything about it at this point, but uh, Dark Blue with Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, that, I just so. remember thinking that was a solid movie. Again, don't remember anything about it, but I like Kurt Russell, so. I um, I was going to say, wild as it may seem, it happened when I watched the Nicolas Cage film Mandy. Okay, you, you just knew it was a Nicolas Cage film, so you're like, well, I got to see what this is. All, all I knew was that it was getting some some pretty huge critical acclaim for a Nicolas Cage film. Yeah, and it was, uh, and the poster was pretty cool. And then I watched it, and I was like, holy shit! If I was high right now, I would be dead. <laughs> it was everything you wanted it to be. Uh, it was. It's pretty great. If I had to recommend Mandy, I would recommend Mandy. Take that as you will, folks. Uh, if you love Nicolas Cage, you'll love it. But if you Emily... don't trust Brendan, avoid it. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Doing yourself a disservice. Um, Emily Oldham says, this film is so captivating. It feels almost like a horror film at times, claustrophobic and controlling. Dirk Bogard's performance is full of such smooth menace, maybe his best. The film has a lot to say, but it's never obvious, impossible to get out from under your skin. It's also interesting to remember that a 1963 British audience would have Dirk Bogard's performance in Victim in mind when they saw The Servant. And then she says, if the BFI remade the list today, Victim would almost certainly be on it as it was groundbreaking and Basil Dearden deserves the recognition. You should definitely do an episode on it sometime. Well, we should put that in the file for the uh, the fan Brit picks. I actually, you know what, the next time we do one of those... Yeah. I'm saying it right now. Let's do it. Let's do All Victim. Right. We'll put that on the board. As Pin it up. As, I can, as long as I can find it. You're very good at that. I trust you. Well, thank you. All right. Louise Camara says, mm. I first saw it as a teenager. And yes, I went in completely in the dark and was very disturbed by it. But I kept coming back to it and I've seen it many times since. 
I bought the novel on which it is based, and having read it, I think this is an incredible adaptation that improves on the source material. The book is very different, as it is told in the first person by a friend of the James Fox character, a device that doesn't work as well uh, as the film's point of view. Most of the film's dialogue isn't in the book. It's almost all Harold Pinter. For example, that scene in the restaurant where he keeps cutting away to those other characters and different variations of the domineering relationships isn't in the book. Hmm. That'd be probably hard to convey in words. It's crazy that most of the dialogue was changed. Well, you know, you, 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 if you got a guy like Harold Pinter writing the movie, why not? Let let him take a crack at it. <laughs> hey, Harry, you want to you wanna offer your spin on this thing, Harry? Why, why, yes, I think I'd like to take a take a shot at it. Uh, you do anything for me. Uh, it's me, Joey Losey. <laughs> My producer, yes, famously. <laughs> uh, okay, Scott Brower says, just an interesting little factoid here about the director. The director, and I don't remember if we mentioned this before on the go-between, because that was a long time ago when we record, uh, recorded that episode. Uh, I, in fact, I would say it's like a foreign country. Yeah, it's different. <laughs> Uh, Scott Brower says the director Joseph Losey is actually from La Crosse, Wisconsin. He fled to England after being investigated by HUAC, making his career there. Ah, so they thought he was a communist. By the way, your Wisconsin accent, prime. I didn't. I wasn't aware. I was trying to do a Wisconsin accent. Yeah, where you were going? Hey, I'm from Wisconsin. Oh, it's so Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Hillary didn't come out and campaign here. What were we supposed to do? Yeah, I wonder how many uh, uh, filmmakers accused of communism ended up going to England to try to make a go of it, or France. Yeah, or Belgium. Belgium. Mm, the, f- the film center of Europe. <laughs> Maybe. Hey, if anyone out there is from Belgium, we love you. Your waffles are delicious. And our final comment today, Brendan, mm. is from W.T. Alamosa. And okay. uh, 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 Al- uh W.T. says, fun fact, Sir Dirk Bogard was the great uncle of the, of singer Birdie, hmm, whose music has been used in the soundtracks of The Fault in Our Stars, The Edge of Seventeen, The Darkest Minds, and Five Feet Apart. There you go. Five Feet Apart, of course, is the film about the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. <gasps> I, I was going to say Five Feet Apart is an irresponsible educational yeah. film. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's, um, it's the science changed. We started off, it was five feet, but then they realized, nah, eh, you can use an extra foot. <laughs> I will say the um, the Edge of 17 is the one out of all those movies that I've actually seen, and that's another strong recommend. If you want to see like a teen, like coming-of-age drama movie that doesn't treat their teenage characters like they're, you know, stupid or doesn't, you know, th- treat every viewer like they're stupid, that movie is the movie to watch. Uh, of those movies, the only one I have seen is The Fault in Our Stars, and uh, there's nothing I can say about that movie that will change somebody's mind about it. So, <laughs> all right, I'm, well, I actually, actually like Paper Towns as a movie a lot more, but that's oh, just me. I think that's just because you like Cara Delevingne. Well, that's part of it for sure. There's no question. You, you're jealous. You are jealous of her eyebrows, though. I've heard it's, they're very magnificent eyebrows, and I wish I could pull that off. I mean, you could if you tried, Jason. Put a little effort into it. I've been trying, but they just, they just, they're too wispy. Yeah. 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 Well, Jason, this is your favorite part. We uh, compare this movie, The Servant, number 22 on the BFI, to number 22 on the AFI, the American Film Institute, 
top 100 list. And that movie uh, on the AFI list at number 22 is the Billy Wilder classic, Some Like It Hot. I haven't seen it. All right, default. Default. <laughs> I know the song, you know, I will like s- it hot and the rest think the heat is on. The heat is on. The heat is on. That rest one? in peace, guy who sang that song, whose name escapes me, Glenn, Glenn. Fry? What's his name? Glenn Fry, that's it. Okay. The H is O. <laughs> one of the best SNL short films ever, by the way. <laughs> yes, that is a, a fantastic one. But yeah, so, so yeah, um, I have seen some like it hot because now I've seen all these movies. Yay! Yes. Um, I'm very proud you. of you. Thank you. It's a proud moment for me. Sure. Um, I will say what's the craziest to me about some like it hot is that it's a movie that you would expect would age very poorly in today's mm-hmm. modern day. It it does not. It no. it like holds up like the the representation of of like male and female and you know these guys that have to cross dress to kind of escape the 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 mafia which is the plot is crazy but i mean sister act yeah yeah well yeah kind of and but it's like it's done really well and it's not done super offensively and actually there's a moment at the end of the film spoiler alert where you think because they show it on like every time they show like classic scenes from films or if they're talking about something like it hot they show the final scene of that movie which is great and so you've seen it so you know like you're expecting some like really like homophobic or gay panic moment there and he's just kind of like oh i guess we're together now yeah (laughs) it's kind of refreshing (laughs) kind of refreshing to see in a movie that old so As far, but but having said all that, um, it is a great movie. But I gotta give it to the servant. The servant is so good, and the servant being one of those movies like w- that, I went in not really knowing much about it and coming out like, wow, what a film! And when it, yeah, when a movie can do that, when you can go in like completely cold, like completely cold, completely blind, and walk out and just be kind of blown away by it, is a pretty amazing feat. I guess the other one, too, was like with The Crying Game. I literally knew nothing except the twist. That was the only thing I knew about that movie uh, and had no idea it involved, like, the fucking uh, troubles. <laughs> yeah, and then you were like, oh, shit, there's a good plot around this, yeah. too. Yeah, it's a pretty solid movie. So there you go. Uh, those are the comments in The Servant. And now we're going to move on to our uh, first of three segments we call... Black And talk about Paddington 2. Everyone has been so kind and welcoming, even though they're very busy. Mrs. Brown is planning to swim to France. It seems an awful lot of hard work when you can go by boat or plane or even train. But that's not the point. She's been cooped up all summer illustrating a series of adventure stories and has decided she wants one of her own. Judy has been suffering from a broken heart. I'm dumped. I think you'll find you're dumped, Tony. Her first reaction was to become a nun. But she soon got over that and has thrown herself into a new hobby. She found an old printing press at school and is starting a newspaper with no boys. Now all we need is some news. Jonathan is joining her at big school this year. He spent the holidays building a fully working steam engine. But I'm not supposed to talk about that, as it's not cool. He's got a whole new look, and if anyone asks, he's now called J-Dog, and is definitely not into steam trains. But Mr. Brown has been busiest of all. He recently had a surprise at work. I am delighted to announce our new head of risk analysis will be... 
Mr. Steve Visby. And this has prompted what Mrs. Bird calls a full-blown midlife crisis. It involves blending his food, painting his hair, and engaging in a process called chakrabatics. Open your mind and your legs will follow. <laughs> so that was just a little bit of opening narration mm. because we are talking about, and that's just to get everyone up to speed who has maybe not seen the first film, although it's not super important. Jason watched just this one and he was fine. Specific, well, we'll talk about that. Uh, okay. But but I, was, uh, I, I like the opportunity for this experiment where you've seen the first one and I have not. And I do sometimes enjoy the idea of coming in on a sequel because I've only ever seen the third Chipmunks movie. So, <laughs> thanks to my How young dare cousins. you make that comparison? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but we are talking about, of course, uh, a, a huge hit yeah. uh, at the box office. And critically, this is one of the very rare 100% Rotten Tomatoes uh, reviewed movies that hasn't changed since then. It is, of course, Paddington 2. The sequel. The Paddington ting. The the quick uh, Paddington. Oh, Paddington Two: The Quickening would be a great subtitle. <laughs> I've become immortal, and a man is trying to cut my head off. So, Jason, yes. I, I picked this one. Yeah, this was my pick. Um, did you know anything about this? I mean, obviously, but you know, tell me what you knew, kind of going into this. Well, I, I knew that these were very well regarded movies, and my own history with Paddington, I have memories of Paddington from being a young child. I must have had Paddington books or something, but I, I don't remember it very clearly, so it must have been when I was very young. But I've been aware of Paddington my whole life, but I never thought much of it because it was like, oh, that's just this quaint thing for children. And then, yeah, when these movies came out, it's like all these British actors are in them and they're really good, and I thought to myself, man, I should watch those at some point, but I'm going to wait until I have a podcast specifically to do it. And here I am. It, and I will say that when they announced that they were making these movies and I saw the trailers and everything, I got visions of, like, the worst possible mm, thing. Like, you, mm. you see a movie, like, I mean, you talked about Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's what was yeah. in my head. I was yeah. like, oh, this is either going to be, like, that yeah. or it's going to be, like, and I hadn't known this at the time, but it's going to be, like, Peter Rabbit, which yeah. that movie was fine. But, yeah. like, you know, something along the lines but of you, more, like, yeah, fart you- jokes and... Potty humor yeah, the, and stuff. The, the Chipmunks is a perfect example of how you take something that's old and turn it into something new that sucks. Awful. Yeah, and and it's it doesn't have to be that way. But then but then Paddington is of course the opposite of that. You can take something and actually make something relevant and modern out of this kind of very uh, comforting, quiet, old kind of character and and turn it into something cool. And this is okay. So we've do, we've done weeks of a lot of depressing and yeah. dark movies. So I think yeah. this is why I picked it because we we talked about like the servant, yeah. Alfie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, hope and glory to some extent. Yes. I mean, I just wanted something. This is like this is the movie. If you were talking about like comfort movies, yeah. I think this is on my list. You might, you might want to call it cinematic heroin, and that it gives you this kind of warm feeling all over watching it. Yeah, and then when you come down, you're like, oh fuck the world, and then you're watching Paddington every other day. <laughs> Careful. Be careful, as all I'm saying. I mean, I'm in. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about Paddington 2. Uh, this movie stars Ben Wishaw as the voice of Paddington. And who is he? I looked him up, but I didn't see anything I recognized him from. The only other thing I remember him from is being in Christopher Robin. Okay. Uh, Hugh Bonneville plays Henry Brown. Lord Gratham himself from fucking Downton Abbey. There you go. Sally Hawkins is back. Yes, our playing, uh, happy-go-lucky in this direct sequel to happy-go-lucky. Yes, of course. Playing Mary Brown, which I thought was funny. <laughs> it's a local restaurant called Yeah, Mary local Browns. restaurant chain, Mary Brown's. If you're ever in the Maritimes, it's fucking delicious. That's pretty good. 
Uh, Hugh Grant plays Phoenix Buchanan, who we'll talk a lot about because I want to get into. Is a wonderful, stupid movie name. Oh, I love <laughs> I, everything about Hugh Grant in this movie. Uh, Brendan Gleeson plays Knuckles McGinty. Ah, uh, Knuckles. Uh, Julie Walters plays Mrs. Bird. Mm-hmm. She is a she's a veteran of British film. I thought she was the grandma until the end of the movie and realized she was the housekeeper. Yeah. They treat her like one of the family. She's an OG pimp, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> Jim Broadbent. Yes. As Mr. Gruber. Can't have a cool British movie without Jimmy Broadbent. <laughs> the, sh- the, uh, the, the shop owner. Yeah. Uh, Peter Capaldi, former Doctor Who, is Mr. Curry, who I do want to talk a lot about. Who's the one fucking person in the world that doesn't like Paddington. I, I, and I think there's a lot more to that. And I we'll Was there something in that. the first movie I missed? No, but there's some subtext stuff okay. I want to get into. Oh, oh no. Um, uh, Imelda Staunton does the voice of Aunt Lucy. Mm-hmm. And very briefly, Michael Gambon does the voice of Uncle Pastuzo. And those which, are both bears. Which I had to look up to figure out what happened there. And yeah, he died in the first movie, didn't he? I did not know that. I didn't yeah. remember that. Well, he uh, yeah, that's how Paddington gets the hat. Oh, okay. I, yeah. assume, I assume he gets uh, gutted by a hunter in front of Paddington. Wow. Yeah. What Bambi-esque nightmare are you living through? <laughs> I didn't see it. I just have to fill in the gaps is I what I'm saying. I, I will say up front, I don't remember a lot of the first one. I remember it being very good. Yeah. I remember I was high when I saw it. Oh. And I remember I think I fell asleep through about 20 okay. minutes of it. That's but possible. I'm going to blame it on my state of mind. I do remember Nicole Kidman was the villain and that she was trying to make a stuffed bear out of Paddington. I remember being like, wow, this is dark. What's the what's the most uh, uh, crazy movie you ever fell asleep during? Like a movie that, that should be the movie that, that you don't fall asleep during. I mean... Uh, like a loud action movie or something. <laughs> I mean, I watched I watched the original uh, My Bloody Valentine and almost fell asleep wow. through it last night. So, And that movie was pretty bonkers. I just was reminded when I went to Quebec City years ago, my buddy Shane uh, fell asleep during uh, Mel Gibson's We Were Soldiers. Uh, but I can kind of see that, though. There's a lot of combat in that movie. Is there? Is yeah. there a lot of, like, downtime, though? There, there is, like, early on, but he fell asleep later in the movie when the action scenes were happening. Because I, I, I was, like, fucking shit going on. I looked over at him, he's fucking passed out. Maybe maybe I can see it if it was, like, wind talkers. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <gasps> I'm in the army! <laughs> that was the tagline of the movie. <laughs> no! Oh, that comedy duo is waiting to happen. All right, yeah. Paddington 2, Jason. Yeah. Um, this this movie came out 2017 yes. in the UK, 2018 here. But we're going to say 2017 because this is a British film podcast. Yeah. Came out in January of 2018 in the States. Um, but yeah, this movie, I mean, you know... I mean, obviously, everyone knows I like it because I picked it. Yes. But this is a wonderful movie that I love with all my heart. Mm. Um, but Jason... Let's talk about it. Yeah. What is what it. is Paddington Two? What is the basic plot? Of Paddington this film? Two is the problematic prattle of a of a young bear attempting to race to be racist in London. No, that's not at all. How dare you? Yeah. Uh, although I got to say, right out of the gate, this movie threw me off because it says uh, the very first thing you see on screen written is a few bear years ago. What the fuck does that mean? Is it a pun on the word bear? Is it think, bear years like a few like bear years ago? Is that a thing people say in England? I think it's meant to be like dog years. But what's a bear year? Who knows? Why don't you look it up? Don't be don't be lazy, Wikipedia. So by this point in the story, since I don't know how it all shook out, although I did look it up to get a basic idea, I guess Paddington was found in the jungle or something. Um, and he went to London. Yeah, jungles is where bears are often found. It was. It was the jungles of Peru is where he was oh, from. Okay, okay. That's that's canon. <laughs> 
I think that's canon since 1953 or whatever they, eight or whenever they published this thing. I hope they don't reboot it and erase it from the canon. Nope. Uh, so, yeah, he's from Peru, but he lives in London and he's hanging out with the Brown family, who I guess uh, he met in the first one, and, and Mr. Brown was very skeptical of his story. And uh, But eventually they came to accept him as the bear he is, so he gets to live with them in this very colorful house. Yes. It's very colorful. This whole movie is very colorful, and it's great because, you know, it's, it's, I imagine it's evoking the style of the books, mm. you know, which are always quite colorful, that I remember in my dim memory. Uh, so the Lord Gratham loses his promotion at work. We saw that in the beginning. Uh, I'm going to keep calling him Lord Gratham the whole time. Uh, so here's my question. Are all bears sentient in this world, or is Paddington famous? Because nobody seems, like, super excited to see Paddington, other than just the general, like, oh, it's Paddington, hey. Well, I think everyone knows by this point. Yeah, but, but like, uh, he, because he feels like he should be, like, a celebrity if he's this fucking talking bear who's in London. He seems to be the only talking bear in London. Uh, well, I mean, his Aunt Lucy is a talking yeah, bear. Yeah, but she's not in London, though. No. She's never been to London. She's maybe, still in Peru. Maybe every bear talks. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe just Peru bears talk. He must feel very lonely. Peru bear, Paddington, Peru bear. But, looking at you, silly old Paddington, Peru. You're hired. Thanks. So basically it all shakes out that uh, Aunt Lucy's birthday is coming up. She's going to be 100 years old in whatever bear years are, I guess. I don't know. She can't. surely can't be a century old. That's impossible. Bears don't live that long. Maybe Peru bears do. Maybe they do. I keep wanting to say Winnie the Peru. Winnie the Peru. Oh, you're funny. That's, <laughs> uh, that, that could go bad, though, depending on what accent you say that in. So, I didn't. I just said, I just used my own accent. That's right. You just did. want to state that for the record. Um, yeah, so Paddington wants to get a gift for his uh, aunt, and he goes to see Jimmy Broadbent at the uh, at the shop. What was the name of the character? Slugworth? <laughs> no. No, that's Harry Potter. Uh, Gruber. Gruber. Mr. Gruber. Mr. Oh, <laughs> I assume... Uh, uh, Cousin of the late terrorist Hans Gruber, perhaps? Sure. Uh, that, in my fan fiction, that's what's going on. <laughs> okay. Uh, so so uh, Mr. Gruber has a book that Paddington's interested in. It's a pop-up book of London. And he thinks, oh, this will be wonderful. My, my aunt will love this. I'll be able to, she'll be able to see London. I think you mean Mr. Gruber was like, I have a book for you, Paddington. Yes. <laughs> yes, would you like to see this book, Did Paddington? you really think you could buy this book, Mr. Paddington? And the Paddington was like, yippee motherfucker. That's exactly what happened. So he pulls this book out and he's like, oh, it's very nice. And he's, he thinks, yes, I would like to purchase this. How much does it cost? And he's like, uh, it's, well, it's a thousand. Whatever, maybe pounds, I guess. Two thousand dollars or something like that. Maybe pounds. I guess it, it depends on the coin that uh, Paddington pulled out of his ear. Because he pulls a coin out of his ear and he's like, well, they found this coin in my ear. Surely if I, I, I can get more. Yeah. And he's like, well, you need a thousand of them. And I don't think there's a thousand in there. So I assume that was a pound coin. Probably. Mm. It's a lot of money for a book. Yeah. But Paddington, you know, scrappy little dog that he is, he's a bear, but scrappy little dog that he is, uh, decides he's going to get a job and takes a job at a barber shop and decides to do his own version of the uh, lumberjack sketch from Monty Python. <laughs> he doesn't actually uh, cut this guy up, thankfully, but he does accidentally shave this old dude's head and then tries to reattach his hair with um, marmalade. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, uh, it, so, well, so he goes to the fair with uh, uh, Hugh... Uh, Hugh Bonneville, Lord Gratham, mm-hmm. Mr. Brown. Uh, and while he's there, he happens to run into uh, Hugh Grant as Phoenix Buchanan, uh, I guess an, a famous actor. A uh, very well-dressed famous actor. A famous actor who is now in dog food commercials. Who's now in dog food commercials because uh, he has a real problem working with other people. Yeah. Uh, which is very a big problem as an actor. But it's, he's trying to get a one-man show off the ground so you know he can solve his own problem. He is just like the, like, he is like the hilarious... Um, 
They took like a, the idea of a vain actor and just mm. amped it up to like fifteen. Yes. Like he's just like he's so vain. Oh yeah, that he worst. can't be in anything with any other people. And and there's a line later where I think Mrs. Bird says uh, actors are the worst people uh, because they lie. They, they they make their living lying all day. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he gets to meet this actor while he's there, and he makes the mistake of telling him about his plight to get this book, and then he wants to, you know, get a job and, and raise the money, and Hugh Grant realizes this is a book he's been looking for because there's a treasure that is hidden in this book that he wants. Does he steal it? Uh, he does, but somebody else steals it, or maybe. Oh. We're not sure, initially, uh, unless you're an adult watching this movie, and it's pretty clear what happened. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, so Paddington goes to look at the book or something or goes to visit the guy and he sees this dude breaking into the fucking shop where the book is. And he climbs in to chase after him and uh, the dude steals the book and takes off. Paddington takes off after him. Uh, He jumps on like a moped or something and then Paddington jumps on a dog and chases after him through the streets. And we have a very exciting sequence, but eventually it shakes out that uh, the dude disappears in a literal puff of smoke with an actual smoke bomb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, uh, then Paddington is picked up by the police and promptly blamed for the theft. Even though they don't have the book that he stole, he gets blamed for the theft immediately. Uh, and and he, but he's like, it's another guy. And they're like, what? He disappeared in a puff of smoke, you dumb bear? Fuck you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote. That's the direct quote. Yeah. Paddington 2 is rated R. Yeah, Paddington. Uh, they're very mean to that poor bear. And he's nothing but lovely the whole time. Yeah. So what this so what this all adds up to is that Paddington gets convicted of theft in by uh, uh, Phoenix Buchanan, the son of a bitch, yep. in court. Said that he did not see the other man; he only saw Paddington. And obviously, because we know as adults that watch this movie that it was that fucking Phoenix Buchanan that did it, mm-hmm. and I don't trust him. So Paddington goes to jail. Now, this is where the movie gets really dark. No, it doesn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you remember Shawshank Redemption, yeah, right, folks? Oh, just wait till the sisters get a hold of him. Uh, no, this movie is uh, uh, in a very idolized version of prison where they all still wear black and white striped prison outfits, which yeah. is fun. Uh, and Paddington, uh, being Paddington, he's very nice. He's a very nice boy, and he wants to ingratiate himself to everybody, and he's trying so hard to be nice and, and to you know make prison work for himself. But he ends up dyeing everybody's uniforms pink when he throws a red sock in the wash. And that pisses everybody off, something fierce. Um, and so eventually they realize the food sucks, and, and Paddington's the only one that will go and talk to the cook, played by the great Brendan Gleeson of uh, uh, Gangs of New York. I think it's the first movie I saw him in. 28 Days Later. Yep. Uh, is he in that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is he in? So many good movies. Oh, he's in Harry Potter. He's Mad-Eye Moody. In Bruges. In Bruges, yep. He's in that. He's in In Bruges. Great actor. But he's, he's like the mean cook that runs everything, and nobody will uh, say anything to him because he'll beat them up. But Paddington goes up to him and says, like, hey, stop making shitty food. And I mean, he says it much nicer than that because Paddington's the sweet boy. But he's like, hey, well, uh, it, actually, what really saves his bacon is that his uh, hat comes off, and Paddington, for some reason, always has a marmalade sandwich under his hat. Yeah. just always does. And it gets jammed into Knuckles' mouth, and Knuckles is like, wait, what is this? Because apparently he's not from, I guess they don't have marmalade in Ireland, apparently. Um, he's like, it's marmalade. He's like, can you make more of this? He's like, well, yeah. He's like, and that's what we're going to do. This guy's under my protection. None of you, none of you take any liberties with him. He's, he's mine. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he's my fuckboy now. That's right. And uh, Paddington then also has to, quote, make the marmalade. 
which he does and makes everybody quite happy that they start to change the menu. They, they talk about the budget at the beginning. He's like, I know you don't have much of a budget, but maybe we could do something nice. And then it, it goes from like prison food to all of a sudden they have a, like tables and it's like a cafe <laughs> and they're all getting served fancy, delicious looking food and desserts and stuff. And it's like, man, if I had to go to prison, that's the prison to be in. They're having a great, they were dancing around. They were so happy. Yep. Yeah. Sweet. That's rehabilitation. <laughs> uh But outside the prison, the family is trying very hard to prove that Paddington didn't do this. They, they don't believe that Paddington is capable of theft. And so they're on the trail trying to figure out. Because more, uh, more thefts have been happening, more break-ins and such have been happening by uh, people in various uniforms. Uh, we, we have a nun at one point uh, that breaks in and steals something from a church. And the security guard is super into uh, that nun. So, uh, by the way, so let's talk about that for a sec. So Hugh Grant is dressed up as a nun. And he breaks into this church to to get the letter that he needs for this puzzle. Treasure map thing, yeah. Yeah, for this treasure map thing. And there's this security guard that they're talking to. And, and this security guard, first of all, when he's there, the first thing he says is, uh, they say some boys walk up and they're like, what happened here? Because like, it's all cordoned off and everything. And he goes, oh, a nun went berserk. It happens. <laughs> that made me laugh really hard. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, another little bit that he does in that scene that I really like is there's a bunch of nuns that are cordoned off. Yeah. And one is coming forward and he's like, oh, halt right there, yeah. sister. Where do you think you're going? <laughs> yeah. Back in line. <laughs> So they so they end up talking to him, and he's like, oh, I saw the most beautiful nun I ever saw. And he gets really horny over Hugh Grant in a uh, in a habit. And at first I thought, oh, is this just some some gay joke thing that they're going for? But it's it's more than that. It's, it's less the gay joke is, is less the issue. And more the issue to me is that this guy is super, super horny and attracted to a nun, a lady that there is really no, no possible way that he can get with in any meaningful sense. Yeah. <laughs> And that's then, the creepier thing to me in that scene. And then I do like how, well, yeah, I don't think they push like a homophobic yeah. joke no, or anything. No. But I do like how he says like, oh, no, I ran over as, soon, as fast as I could. And you see him like carefully holding his coffee so it doesn't spill. Yeah. It, just kind of jogging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was great. And then he, Hugh Grant at some point is dressed up as a knight. I yep. forget why exactly. Sure. But he's on top of a church roof and he's finding his letter. Can I also say that the bone of the... <laughs> I mean, it's such a throwaway thing, but one of my favorite things is when they realize, I mean, as we all know, as adults, like you said, that Hugh Grant is the villain, when uh, Hugh Bonneville goes, oh my God, he's a weirdo. Yeah, no, because he's going, he's like, (laughs) she goes, it's a a secret room, it's a secret attic, and he goes, a secret room, it's an attic, every house has an attic, it's it's just a perfectly, and he goes, oh, he's a weirdo, yeah. Because he's got all these mannequins with different costumes, yeah. Yeah, and I like the idea of this actor that sort of is interacting with the multiple personalities of himself. He's kind of like Roger from American Dad in that way, where he's like having like literal conversations with himself as the camera pans between like the mannequins with the costumes on it and him. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, we find out essentially the master plan is Hugh Grant wants to find this treasure. Yeah, because the pop up book gives him like uh, gives him like clues to find it. And yeah. he wants to find this treasure so that he can basically fund a one-man show. Yeah. <laughs> because pay he off his debts. To... He's in debt and wants to pay off his debts and, yes, fund this one-man show. And he show. doesn't want to pay any other actors because he can't stand to stare, share the stage with them. No, he's, he's very clearly – I love the bit where he's with um, uh, uh, Sally Hawkins. Is that where they're in the room? And he's like, would you like a preview? And she's just like, oh, ha, ha. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, I've got great news for you. And she's like, oh. And he's like, I'm almost funded my one-man my one man show. And she's like, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, read the room, pal. Yeah. So, yeah, they're working on trying to prove that it wasn't Paddington that done it. Um, 
and they see the, the the similarities between those three, and yeah, eventually they come to the conclusion that it's it's this dude, Hugh Grant. Yep. So Paddington, meanwhile, is in jail, and uh, Knuckles offers to break him out, and they can go find out what happened and and find the find the real killers. Uh, Paddington doesn't want to because you know he's a good boy; he doesn't want to break out of jail and, and miss his family and stuff. But then his family gets so into trying to prove his innocence, they miss a visit with him, mm-hmm. and those sad, sad words that that Knuckles said, where Knuckles is like, "Look, the." At one point, they'll miss a visit, and then they'll never come again. And it's just like, oh, that's that's both sad to say that to Paddington, and sad for you, Knuckles. I feel bad. Does that mean that Knuckles had somebody that visited and then just never came back? The poor guy. But, so that one missed visit is enough for Paddington to be like, well, that's it. I got to break out of here because nobody cares about me anymore. And they do it. And they do it. They get out. They, they swim through 16 miles of shit, but they do it. <laughs> Actually, there's a really nice, like, 2D side cut scene of them going down into the floor and, like, crawling yeah. through the tunnels and stuff. Yeah, it's... Paddington tunnels through uh, behind a Rita Hayworth poster. Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, and then they head to Mexico. But, yeah, so they get out, and then Paddington's like, okay, let's go find the real killers. And uh, he's just like, yeah, no, sorry, bud. We got lives. We got to do it. Uh, we, we, just, we, we, wouldn't, we knew you wouldn't do it if we, if we didn't lie to you, so sorry. And then they take off, assholes. Yeah. But they kind of feel bad about it. Well, I mean, and then the rest of the movie is essentially the train sequence, right? Yes, yes. There's a fight on a train, and and the guy is fighting along the train. He's Paddington, he's throwing people off onto the ground, and they're dying. No, that's not what happens. No? Did I watch, did I watch Skyfall? <laughs> no, Paddington figures, they figure out that Hugh Grant's uh, thing is like, it's, it's musical notes, and it opens up a treasure box. He opens it, but then Paddington is there to take the pop-up book. It yeah. closes. He freaks out. There's a whole action sequence here. Question to any Londoners, Londoners that might be listening. Do freight trains normally come through Paddington Station in London? I don't know. It just looked at a place. Like a, like, like a circus train coming through the Paddington Station. That just doesn't... Uh, do freight trains normally come through there is what I'm asking. Don't know. Well, tell me, damn it. <laughs> you people out there. So... Um, yeah, and it's the train sequence and Hugh Grant. Oh, gets... also the thing about the train sequence. I just don't want to get too much into the plot. No, no, the, the plot. plot of it. But the, the train. The thing about the train sequence that makes me laugh—not really laugh—but it's like, so they have the kids in this movie, and I assume the kids must have had more of a role in the previous movie because they're kind of underused in this one. Yep. I mean, they're just they're there with the family, kind of fucking around, trying to prove his innocence. But it's like they had to give them something to do. So for the older boy who's into steam trains, they like have a train sequence. Uh, the the train chase sequence at the end of the movie, so he's the one that's able to get into the cab of the steam train and be like, "I know what I'm doing. I can handle this. My name is Jonathan Brown." Yeah, and then he does it and proves himself. And they have a, a sweet train uh, chase because those are very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, these I like days. them better than boat chases. Yes, no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and then and then yeah, and then the fucking and then Paddington <laughs> as a near as a near death moment where he's almost killed, where Sally Hawkins who plays his mother. Yeah. Um, adopted mother I guess yeah. uh, is in the water looking at him trying to save him and I said that's the second time I've seen Sally Hawkins in a movie where she's trying to save a non-human entity in the water <laughs> <laughs> but this time she doesn't want to fuck it no um, <laughs> but then the prisoners come back and basically save him and it ends yeah they come with- out of the sky and dive down and help rip the uh, the door open so that Paddington can get out that was going to be a real dark sequence like having to leave Paddington to die because they can't get the door open like Wow. But then wow. Hugh, Hugh Grant is arrested, not for the reason that he was in real life. No. Um, <laughs> and then uh, and then I, Paddington just gets a visit from Aunt Lucy. And Yay. he gives she, her a big hug. She finally got to see London. Yeah. 
And that's the end of the movie, except then we have a post credit sequence, which involves the prisoners having a very big musical number. We went through so much of that plot. All right. <laughs> well, you know, you get the idea. Um, I want to talk about Hugh Grant mm. first and foremost out of, out of this movie, playing Phoenix Buchanan. Can we just listen to his introduction into the movie? So before this, they're talking about how he, like Paddington is told, he was an actor, but now he just does dog food commercials. So, and and we said Paddington is the most sweetest, naive, polite yes. young bear. Very much so. And this kind of leads to uh, Phoenix Buchanan's introduction. He's one of our Platinum Club members and a very famous actor. Oh, used to be. Now he just does dog food commercials. Mm. Mrs. Bird doesn't like him because he can never remember her name. Now then, simmer down, simmer. All right, a little bit more. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm at my worst tonight, I really am. I am tickled the deepest shade of shrimp to have been asked here tonight to open this wonderful old steam fair. But you know, when Madame Kozlova created this thing all those years ago, she most certainly was not thinking of people like me. Whatever I am, VIP, celebrity, I hate all that stuff. No, no, West End legend, that's another one. No, no, she was thinking of you guys, huh? The ordinary people. So, I'm going to ask one of you to come up here and open the fair. Volunteers. Anyway. Meeny, meeny, miny. Bear. Oh, let's have the young bear. Why not? Come, come, young Ursine. Up here, my furry friend. Very good, very good. Now, your name is? Paddington Brown. Oh, well, of course it is. You are my new neighbour. You live with Henry and Mary and the great Mrs... Now then, I suppose you know who I am. Oh, yes. You're a very famous actor. Oh, poo. <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. <laughs> well, a man has to eat. What? Dog food? <laughs> I just love because that the the only moments where Paddington is unintentionally mean in this movie mm. is unintentional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that scene, and then later when Knuckles McGinty is like uh, when he's trying to talk about Knuckles McGinty to about his food, mm. and he says, "Oh no." Critique me. I love criticism. And he goes, "Oh, okay. Well, then." <laughs> just bluntly complaining because he doesn't. He doesn't re- really read sarcasm no. either, right? One, one wonders if he's maybe perhaps autistic. A bit autistic there. <sighs> I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that'd be mean. I just like he's he's so naive and like is he a child? He's not really a child. I mean, I guess he, I think he's supposed bear's to be just naive. I think he's supposed to be a child, mm. at least somewhat of a child. But he's wonderful. He's very sweet. He yeah and and I do I mean we talk about Paddington from that sequence but also Hugh Grant in this movie mm. is fucking outstanding. Oh yeah, he's great. He's wonderful. It, I think this is the, I mean yes he's got that Hugh Grant charm because he's Hugh Grant but I think this is the least Hugh Granty Hugh Grant performance he's, I've he's, seen. He's Hugh Grant doing a Paul F. Thompson's character character and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just very like he's not that like. Uh, bumbly, stumbly, mm. charming guy. He's he's charming, but in a more sinister way, and he's a lot more assertive. And uh, he's charming in a very annoying way, I think, for most people. Yeah, very <laughs> egotistical, oh, yes. obviously. Um, but he's I, just I, taking the piss out of actors at that point. I think Hugh Grant. <laughs> I just I really love him in this movie, and yeah. I think the casting is just chef's kiss on that well, one. Well, I mean, it's clear this whole movie is like an, an all star cast of uh, British people that we've seen in various movies. I mean, it wouldn't be a British uh, film like this without Jimmy Broadbent in it, you know? Yeah. Even his small role. Gotta, yeah. gotta throw him in there. Gotta have him in there. 
Um, so yeah, I really like him. I really like how I love how his vanity actually leads to his like his uh, what do you call it? not upheaval what downfall about, downfall sure at least it was downfall because we have Sally Hawkins who plays Mrs Brown who I love Sally Hawkins she's mm-hmm. wonderful in this movie she too uh, but she's got this sketch of like who they think is the um, is the, uh, the the perpetrator yeah uh, stole the pop up book. And he can't help. He fucking, he's so much of an ego that he can't help that when he looks at it, he has to say like, oh, what a charming creature. Yes. And then I do actually want to play another clip right now of how he kind of leads to his own downfall. He blows it. Yeah. It must be so hard to accept that he won. That man with the dazzling blue eyes. (sighs) I beg your pardon. The man in the poster, your wonderful drawing. Is it? How do you know he had blue eyes? Hmm? It's just a pencil sketch. Oh. Well, then I must have coloured him in. (laughs) Phoenix Buchanan? He's a master of disguise. She's gone mad. Think about it, Henry. Someone out there knows about the cause of her fortune, right? Alleged fortune. And Knuckles said we weren't looking for a criminal gang. Knuckles? Because there was no gang. It was one man. Feathers knew all along. Feathers? Who's Feathers? Hmm? The parrot at the newsstand. No. Can we just return to planet Earth for a moment? Phoenix Buchanan is a highly respected, award-winning actor and a member of our Platinum Club. He is not a petty thief. Hang on a minute, Henry. But let's just assume I'm wrong, shall we? Okay. And that the fortune teller, career criminal and parrot are right. Hmm. May I remind you that you don't actually have any proof? Uh, Now, if anyone wants me, I shall be putting up posters. He's right. Well, I believe you, Mary. Actors are some of the most evil, devious people on the planet. Are they? They lie for a living. Craigie. If we're going to catch one, we're going to need a foolproof plan. (laughs) So included that bit at the end, because I think that's great uh, with her going through the plan and Mrs. Bird delivering that line about actors being evil creatures. I love actors taking the piss out of actors. It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I I think that's funny that him, like, you know, pointing out, oh, the dazzling blue eyes uh, on, like, a pencil sketch where there's no color is what ultimately leads to his own downfall. And, of course, that was foreshadowed earlier at the trial when he was, like, basically making love to his picture. He's like, oh, who's this handsome gentleman here? I did not see him. He's as good-looking as he is. (laughs) I love him. I love it. Um, Well, even, like, we listened to the clip earlier where he says, like, you know, West End Legend is another one I've heard. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Another th- another big thing I want to talk about is this movie has a lot of like silent film gags. Yeah, I was thinking the exact same thing, Brandon, during my whole time watching it. It's like specific. Well, I mean, the, the most obvious one is when uh, Paddington kind of has shifted through a bunch of gears. Yeah, well, that's that's, that's directly yeah, from modern times. Yeah, exactly. That's a straight up like. But like even a lot of the physical comedy that he engages in when he pulls down all the oranges on top of himself, or 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 like the window washing scene yes, where he's the got the washing. bucket, and it's that that cute little bit where his, it's almost like a counterweight. Also, question. So, does Paddington have to wear clothes? Because he's just out, and if so, then he's out naked in the street when he's cleaning the windows because he didn't want to get his clothes wet, right? 
I don't know. It's like a Donald Duck situation. But, I don't know what's but, going but on. Then, but then he puts the clothes on. I mean, is he cold? Is his fur not warm enough? Maybe he just wants to look adorable. Well, that could be. I mean, yes, he does it, have an image to keep. It's working for you, yeah. right? Yeah, well, absolutely. He's he's just, he's he's so cute. He's so I cute. mean, I'll see what I can do. Uh, so I can hug him? I just want to hug him. <laughs> I'll see what I can do, Jason. Just, literally, I just, just want to hug him. Jason, I'll see what I can do. Just want to hug him. Wouldn't it be weird if this was the prequel to Shape of Water? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, no. This the, and the silent film gags. I mean, there's also that whole scene at the at the barber. Yeah, where where he's like he, he accidentally shaves a big strip of hair yes. down the back of the the lawyer who ends up being his lawyer later. Yes, and uh, adds to his sentence barberly harm. Or he's a judge, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a dr- judge. judge yeah. yeah, he adds barberly harm barberly to his harm. sentence, which I think I think is funny. But like that whole sequence is right out of a Charlie Chaplin or mm. Buster Keaton movie. And like I say, that whole sequence reminded me of that one from Monty Python. And the thing that stuck out to me just the thing that really made me think of that sketch in particular was the look of the barbershop where it was like the green walls and stuff with the kind of funky mirrors that was in that sketch too and then obviously the the type of coat that Paddington was wearing is the old school like British barber coat okay which Michael Palin wears in that scene is he's like cut cut you know <laughs> death, blood, blood blood murder I don't I don't think I've seen that oh one. well I never wanted to be a, a barber I wanted to be a lumberjack oh I've seen that yeah yeah, they, they usually see that part because that's the end of the sketch. You oh, don't okay. see the sketch before it that it leads into because it's Monty Python. It's a fucking stream of consciousness, man. So, yeah, lots of lots of silent film homages. Yeah, and kids and kids love physical comedy. So if you're gonna steal, steal from the greats, right? But and I think I think we need to talk about too. We we talked about a little bit about mentioned a little bit about other movies that don't do this as well, yeah. namely Alvin and the Chipmunks. I think we go to that a lot. Yeah. Um, the big difference is like this movie does have like you said like we said these these silent films like homages these these action mm. fun little physical comedy bits the same as like Alvin and the Chipmunks movie might have one but this is feels just like so much different in that it's like it's not leading to a fart it's not yeah. leading to like just an, a dumb 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 joke people people are not acting big in this movie yeah, no, like no. They're, they're, the, the acting is i mean some of the characters are bigger than others but it never feels like not genuine no like everyone feels like they're fully formed characters even even somebody as cartoonish as phoenix buchanan or knuckles mcginty yeah like exactly. they, they they feel like a, a caricature a little bit but like the writing and the the performance of the actors just kind of flesh it out a lot more i um i really like the scene where the family comes to see him and Every prisoner in the in the facility comes in and he introduces them by name. And one of them is a politician. I should have looked up to see if he was a real politician. Yeah. But because when they asked him, it's like, can you help us? And everybody says yes. And the one guy goes, I can't comment on that at this time. Yeah, <laughs> I noticed that too. I, I wonder if that's just like a, a vague, like, oh, he's a politician. He doesn't, yeah. can't give a straight answer. Um, I do like that. And I like to imagine that they're all waiting just off screen yeah. to pop in like that. It just makes me laugh. Um yeah, just like it's just like plenty of silliness in this movie, and it also kind of harbors that line between being sweet and being sappy, and I think it does a good job at like maintaining in yeah. the middle there because there's lots of sharp digs at stuff in this movie. There's yeah, the, lots of like that's the thing. The, the writing in this movie is really good for all the adult characters. Like yeah. they, they're very funny, and, and it may go over kids' heads, but like it is entertaining a little bit, like yeah. a little bit, but like not enough so that kids aren't sitting there for 25 minutes bored. Yeah, that that actually, if, if I had one complaint about this movie, it would be that if I was a kid, I feel like I would. Think 
think that there wasn't quite enough Paddington for my taste. I think there might have been really? just maybe just a little too much time with the adults. But as an adult watching this movie, I love it because I love yeah. all these adults and they're great and the writing is good. So I don't know. I think I think kids might enjoy Hugh Grant. <laughs> I hope movie. so. And then they go back and watch Four Weddings and a Funeral. I I, I think they they should be of a certain age, maybe. <laughs> no, no, double feature on uh, Treehouse. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill. Yep. Okay. The other thing, too, is uh, the, the different styles of animation that are used throughout this movie. Mm. Um, I mean, Paddington himself is, is obviously a CGI creation, yeah. but looks good. Yeah, no, like, no, no complaints. It's a very solid CGI looking character. And this is this movie. I mean, you might. I don't know if this will surprise you, but this movie costs forty million dollars, wow. which is fairly modest for the type of work that went yeah, into this. Yeah, Paddington does a lot of heavy lifting in this movie. I mean, maybe less than the previous one, uh, uh, but like based on just what I saw of it. But um, yeah, no, he's he's great. He looks great the whole time. There's I never. Lot. He doesn't have like a lot of that kind of jerky movement that defined earlier CG stuff, where the movement is really the thing that. Can it tells you that it's not real. So clearly, they must have had a guy in a suit, and then we're CGing on top of that. In no, a lot of they scenes. didn't. No, really. No. And we'll we'll listen to Hugh Grant talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, no, they they just had a very much like uh, not the exact same thing, but very much like Sky Captain. This is a green ball, and it's going to be a meteor later. Well, they've certainly come a long way. Yeah, since Sky Captain, I would say yeah. <laughs> oh. Don't care for that movie. I like that movie, but it's not good. <laughs> uh, so no, and, and not only that, but you have all these various styles coming in. Like we talk about, like the whole pop up book sequence. Like when Paddington's looking at the pop up book, and yeah. he says, "Like, oh, you know, I could take uh, my aunt Lucy here, so she, or I could give this to my aunt Lucy, so she could see London for the first time." Um, and you know, there's that whole sequence where they're walking around, and everything's like made out of paper. Apparently, they couldn't just airdrop her. Uh, fucking, they, they, they could fly her from Africa, not Africa, from Peru specifically to uh, London, but they can't airdrop the lady a fucking coffee table book about London so that she could see London Bridge. Wasn't he gonna? Wasn't his plan to send it? Send that book, but he like he could have sent her any book about London. There's a million fucking like coffee table books and magazines and shit with pictures in them. Not in Mr. Gruber's store. I guess not. Oh my god. Mr. Gruber's just an old man trying to rip off a poor bear. <laughs> well, and let's talk let's talk about his connection to Aunt Lucy because like you said, I I don't know if we talked about the very 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 beginning. Where Aunt Lucy, like, has to save him from... Yeah, I guess they, they were recounting the origin story of them meeting where she pulled him out of the river because he was floating down the river and they had to adopt him. He's just a little bear on a log. Yeah. Just a bear on a log! And they have a whole scene uh, where they they discuss all this while they're hanging from the bridge. I do think that's I do think that's adorably British. Yep. Uh, just like the scene that would otherwise be ha- like a harrowing scene, like cl- like in Cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah. It's just like oh, and he loves marmalade. <laughs> I do love that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we get the like because of that scene, it sets up the whole movie because Aunt Lucy was going to go. They were all set to go to London. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Well, we can't go to London now. We've got to care for this bear." Absolutely, and that, and that's why Paddington wants her to see London. And then and then the uncle dies, and he never gets to see London. Tragically, yeah, I don't even re- I didn't remember that in the first one. Maybe it happened before the mo- first movie started. I think he was hit by an artillery shell. Are you serious? Yeah, there's a Peru Civil War going on around him, and and um, Paddington was a war orphan. You see. Okay, no, you're just making this shit up. <laughs> See, because in the future, uh, the battlefield uh, is continuous, and it's corporations. It's not. Uh, it's, it's it's Paddington's actually a, a deep sequel to Metal Gear. If you didn't know this, 
I don't think any of that is uh, is accurate. Well, and but I respect your right to defend it. <laughs> um, Jason, I want to talk about. Um, also, all the brilliant callbacks in the movie. Mm. There's lots of little things set up early and paid off later, and you don't realize they're being set up. It's kind of like it's kind of like Day of the Jackal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, uh, like it's a weird comparison that's to make. Exactly what my mind went to. It's a, it's a weird comparison to make, but that's kind of what it reminded me of. Is that you have little things like uh, like you have this early sequence. I'll I'll talk about all the ones that I noticed, and maybe you have a few too. Uh, but Mr. Brown. It has this flashback when he was known as Bullseye Brown. Yeah. And he's got like long hair and that yeah. rock music is playing. And he and he throws this ball and he knocks down all three pins. And he's like, yeah, Bullseye. And you're like, that's a funny little thing. Yeah. And then it comes back later at the, in the, uh, the end of the movie where Hugh Grant is super far away. And he bops him on the head with a ball. Hits him with the ski ball. Now, what I thought was funny about that scene was me trying to do the math in my head to think, okay, so what they're saying is, is that so if these people were teenagers in the 70s that means they were about my parents age uh and that means they would be in their 60s so these are some old ass parents was it the 70s or the 80s they were they were dressed like 70s characters because they were like man the mustache and the glasses and yeah yeah, it was very 70s well i don't even i'm not even 100 percent sure when paddington 2 takes place because there's lots of little thing anyway we'll talk about that in a second but i I didn't did, did anybody have a cell phone in that movie I don't think so. Mm. The other callback is Jonathan's love of steam engines. Like yes. you mentioned that one where he actually, he, but he wants to be known as, what is it? J-Dog or something? J-Dog, yeah. Yeah. And then t- at the end of the movie, he goes, no, no, my name is Jonathan. And John- I love Jonathan steam Brown. engines. <laughs> I love fucking steam engines. And man. I love that. Um, I love Sally Hawkins as Mrs. Brown talking about her love of adventure. Yeah. Um, as she wanted to swim across Paris. And then, uh, you know, she's writing this adventure book. She feels cooped up. And I mean, that leads to the whole thing where she's, heading the investigation on this Paddington thing on trying to trying to find out who framed him right mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of cool uh, we talked about Phoenix Buchanan uh, his vanity leading to his downfall Mr. Brown talking about him doing jackrobatics at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the film because later yeah. he gets he has Jean-Claude Van Damme between two trains yes he does and he and he, and he, he puts his hands together and he, what does he say the mantra he's like let it let it open or let it go, let, let it go, go. can't way. hold it back anymore. Anyways, he's let finally able to do it. Let it go! He does the splits between the trains, but then has to quickly be hauled in because a tunnel is coming, uh, as it often does. Can I ask you a question, though? Okay. Did you think Elsa was in the room just now? Um, yes. Mission accomplished. All right. Let's move on. No. Let it go, let it let go. Let it go, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he John Clown Van Damme's it, and yeah. Uh, oh, and the, the last one I noted was um, this is a, this I think was one of the best ones is that when they're at, the, they're at the fair early on, Paddington is licking like a candy apple, and he's like, oh, it's like really sticky, and his tongue gets stuck to it or whatever, and that's it. That's all yeah. that happens in that scene. But then later in the movie, when the, during the train sequence, yes. he sees candy apples and he remembers them being sticky and uses them as little like walk like things under his feet so he could stick to the train while he's walking. If there was no gravity, how could these men be walking? Gravity boots. Star Trek Six. Oh, lost. Nope, not lost. Star Trek. <laughs> no, 6. I'm, it's lost on me. The reference. Oh, well, that's you. That's you. That's on you, man. But anyway, I just thought that was cool. Yeah, no, that was cool. Um, can we talk about the darkest scene in this movie? Uh, sure. Mrs. Bird is an OG pimp. Okay. There's a scene where they're on the train. And uh, uh, Hugh Grant, uh, to defend himself, pulls out a fucking, like, I don't know, letter opener or, like, a rapier or something. He's got, like, a blade in his hand. A what? 
Yeah, a blade, a rapier. Oh, a, a rapier. That's not what I thought you said. a French sword. He tries to rape her? I was like, what? No, no, he doesn't. He's he, he's a scumbag, but he's not that much of a scumbag. Yeah, it's, not, it's a children's uh, film, not from the 80s. I mean, it could have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she looks at the wall, and there's a bunch of fucking shotguns on the wall. So she grabs a shotgun and cocks it and is like, okay, we're going to do this. And he's just like, oh, those are those are the fake shotguns with darts. And she pulls the fucking trigger and shoots a dart into his head. So she was going to shoot She him. was going to do it. She was willing to blow off that man's fucking head in front of everybody. Without a second thought. She just fucking did it. She didn't hesitate. She didn't say, oh, is this a good idea? She wasn't shaking. She was a fucking OG pimp. She grabbed that shotgun off the wall. She pointed it. She pulled the fucking trigger. Yeah. She was ready to murder him without a second thought. And nobody's talking about it, Brendan. I need CNN on this. I need Don Lemon talking about this. This is some crazy shit. Don Lemon's going to tell all the celebrities to comment. So I don't know why this movie wasn't just solved by Mrs. Bird walking up into Phoenix Buchanan's apartment and bap, bap, bap. Right in the fucking head. So problem solved. Mrs. Bird goes to jail, but she's quite old. She can handle it. And jail's actually pretty cool based on what we've seen. And she get to hang out with Paddington. This is terrifying. You're com- <laughs> I'm covered in sweat right now, Brendan. <laughs> I am. I, I, I piss. I've urinated in my pants. But Mrs. Bird, best pimp, 2020. I mean, the, 2014 the, or whatever, 2017, 2018, yeah. At the BAFTAs? Best Pimp. Did she win Best Pimp? Yes, she did win Best Pimp. Okay. Who who's the other nominees? Um, well, it was it was a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who was last year's winner? Last year's winner was uh, the late Richard Harris for um, uh, uh, MacArthur Park. <gasps> do you, do you, do you, have you heard anything about who's getting nominated this year? Yeah, uh, it's uh, going to be, uh, uh, controversially, Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, from from Top Gear. Weirdly, yeah, that's because he, he, well, he, he once punched his producer because he was hungry. So that's why he got the nomination. Well, when you're hungry, you got to punch people. Exactly. I've been saying that for years, and my mom keeps slapping me and saying that's wrong. Moms, right? Drives three and a half hours just to hit me in the fucking head. It's like Will Smith said: parents just don't understand. They don't. Will Smith, you you read me, you feel me, man. You could see into my soul. The great thing about Will Smith is he can really relate to the common man. That's right. Absolutely, <laughs> he's one of us. <laughs> I do want to play a clip. Uh, I think I thought one character was very interesting. Uh, the choices they made here. This is a character played by Peter Capaldi, um, who plays Mister Curry. Yes, and he's kind of the neighborhood watchdog. Yeah, and uh, just the way, just like the way he words some of these comments, makes me think the movie is consciously calling attention to someone or something. Let's just listen to this. He's he's talking to uh, the colonel okay. who he who, who has been convinced that Paddington is a good bear because he's washed his windows. The colonel has seen sunlight for the first time, <laughs> and he takes attention. He, he uh, sees the lovely uh, lovely woman running the newspaper stand, and later they end up being a couple, which I think was cute. Anyway, this is Mister Curry. Good afternoon, Colonel. You're where? It's a bear on your roof. Yes. He seems to be cleaning my windows. Shall I do your gutters while I'm up here? Uh, yes. Uh, thank you. Well, of course, it's not for me to say, Colonel, but I wouldn't care to have an undesirable crawling all over my premises and as commander of your community defence force. Is that an official position, Mr Curry? Or have you just bought yourself a yellow coat? Got my eye on you, bear! Oh, sorry. 
I mean, that feels to me like a like an immigration. Yeah, I yeah, know, absolutely. Uh, big big issue in Britain for sure. Yeah, and a reference to that by having, I, and I, I like how they position the movie positions itself by having this awful man <laughs> as the as this uh, you know he even questions him like you just buy a yellow coat now you're the guy running things. Yeah, exactly. You think he's got himself. no official position no. by the way. He has he has a fancy hat and a high vis vest, and he's all of a sudden he's a watchman. Yeah, he has no power whatsoever, and then. As a second piece to that, I, I want to play the, the when Mr. Brown confronts him, finally, and kind of says what we all want to say. Fellow citizens, I've just received intelligence. The bear has escaped and may be heading this way. I've raised the neighborhood panic level to wild hysteria. Get out of the way, Mr. Curry. Paddington's not coming this way. He's going to clear his name. And we're going to bring him home. We don't want him here. No, of course you don't. You never have. As soon as you set eyes on that bear, you made up your mind about him. Well, Paddington's not like that. He looks for the good in all of us, and somehow he finds it. It's why he makes friends wherever he goes. And it's why Windsor Gardens is a happier place whenever he's around. He wouldn't hesitate if any of us needed help. So stand aside, Mr. Curry, because we're coming through. Maybe I'm crazy, but I'm pretty sure that's a Call of Duty level that they they live in. <laughs> I, I think you're crazy. No. Anyways, um, I do I do think it's funny. We should note right after that scene, he has the triumphant "We're coming through," and then the car won't start. Yeah, which I think is pretty funny. But that that's like a very pointed argument. Yes, it is a pointed argument. I was going to say though, but yes, they then they have the entire neighborhood comes out and helps push their car and tells them to like put it in the right gear and everything, and they get it going via a rolling start. And then there's the great sequence where it just. It crashes through the tiny sign with the with the threat level on it. it just, yeah. just kind of, it's just like played off as like this big, big like exciting sequence, and it just kind of slams into this tiny sign and knocks it to the side. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, love I love it. it. Yeah. It's so British. It's, <laughs> but it's it's just it's it's um, it's enough to be there. Like there's definitely like you know allusions to the you know immigration debates that were happening. They're happening all over the world. I mean, still, yeah. it's not like a thing that was in 2017 yeah, and not yeah, exactly. now. Remember when we solved immigration? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good year, yeah. um, but but no, it, like it, it it permeates um, the movie. But I think it does it in a way that never feels like, never feels aggressive. Never feels like oh, you know, it's just it's a try hard. Like yeah. it's trying too hard to be exactly. like this. We're we're woke, okay? Yeah, no, it's just it's that's the thing. That's why this movie feels so great. Is that despite the fact that it has all these cartoonish characters in it, it all feels very effortless. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's and it's that wonderful British cheek that I adore. I like your British cheek. Oh, thank you. I would like to. Um, I would like to also now we're talking about the prison a little bit. Would like to play a brief clip of Paddington and Knuckles uh, chatting while they're making food, or Paddington is making food, I guess. Yes. Knuckles is reading the newspaper. Yes. Which, by the way, I wrote down what that newspaper said. Yes. Uh, the the headline article was "Get out of jail free card not legally binding according to judge." <laughs> so that was a funny little. That's bit. fun. <laughs> uh, but here's a brief little. Snippet. There you go, lads. Good luck. Um, Mr. McGinty? What do you want? Well, the thing is, I'm actually innocent. <laughs> and I wondered if you had any advice on how to clear my name. Now that we're friends. Friends? I'm your boss, not your buddy. Oh. Well, after you. Why? So you can stab me in the back? No, because it's polite. Aunt Lucy said if we're kind and polite, the world will be right. <laughs> you were ahead of me and now you're behind. That makes you a sap. Ingredients are over there. 
Um, aren't you going to help? Nope. Now get on with it. But there's 500 hungry prisoners coming for breakfast, so we'll need a thousand juicy oranges. Oh, and rule number one: no talking. <laughs> at first, by the way, when he starts to hum at the end of that scene, I thought he was saying. It didn't sound like that. But yeah, no, so that's how their relationship kind of starts. And then eventually, you know, he's like, well, you're a good bear. Because he gives him a, a stern, what does he call it? A stare? Yeah, he gives him a, a hard stare. A hard stare. He just fucking, it, it, it freaks him out. It freaks Knuckles out. Yeah. He thinks that Paddington's going to tear his fucking throat out. But yeah. uh, he's like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, it's a hard stare. He goes into like feral bear mode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the one time we see the heart of darkness that resides within Paddington. <laughs> Um, and then this prison just completely, like, the colors, like you said, like, the uniforms you said are pink because yeah. of the laundry. But I, th- I think that's only there to make the colors pop even more. And oh, then yeah. once the prison starts getting, like, more and more uh, animated and everything, and you have, like, a live band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a live band with a, with a proper prison suits. <laughs> and what I love at the at the end of the sequence is that they've it's gotten so, so warm and cheery and wonderful that you have the prison warden over the loudspeaker reading them a bedtime story. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's a callback to when, when Paddington first gets there. He says to the warden, he's like, uh, Aunt Lucy usually reads me a bedtime story. And he goes, sorry, buddy, no bedtime yeah. stories here. This is not your Aunt Lucy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I thought, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was great. Because like he's, like you said, in this mo- in these movies, especially this one, he just charms anyone he's with, except for, I guess, Phoenix Buchanan. But mm. he's a dick. Yeah, he's a dick. And he's impervious to other people's charms because he, he doesn't give a shit about what anybody else thinks. He's, he's a narcissist. Right, exactly. And you know what? As, as before we get into Jason's bits and bobs, um, I do want to play one last clip. And it's not from the movie. It's just about Hugh Grant talking about the role in Paddington 2, which, I mean, it's just fun because he's oh, from charming. The, uh, from the GQ video. Paul King, who wrote and directed it, uh, um, likes to tell his story that he wrote a part of a washed-up, narcissistic old actor, called it Hugh and sent it to me first. They did actually change the name when they sent it to me, perhaps that attacked. But nevertheless, the letter that came with the script did say, we've, we've written this narcissistic monster of a washed up actor and we thought of you. And it was very difficult to get past that letter. But then, it, you know, it was, a, it was a funny script and I thought I could do that part. That film, Paddington, you know, isn't there when you're shooting it, obviously, because he's created in the computer afterwards. Instead, you have a choice. You have a choice every time I was doing a scene with the bear, I could have stick with a bear's head on the end which was actually a very sinister thing. I didn't even like looking at it. It looked like a kind of warning to bears, don't come into this area, you'll have your head cut off. Or you could have uh, this stand-in lady who was uh, the same height as Paddington. She was great, but that, that I, 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 I ended up with a stick. I became quite fond of the stick in the end. We used to have lunch together. Wow. I just love him. He's we used to have lunch together. <laughs> <laughs> He's a funny man. Uh, Hugh Grant. We are in the middle of the Hugh Grant and the Sons, and That's I am right. here for it. Right, we're ready. For, we're, we are ready. Come back, Hugh. Hugh Grant. <laughs> Granny, come back. <laughs> All right, Jason. Time for the segment everybody waits for. Jason's bits and bobs. Let's see what I got that I haven't already talked about. All okay. right. LOL. Hugh Grant and gloves. I thought that was a fun choice. He was wearing gloves. Because who wears gloves? Might also go with the whole vanity of being an actor, and yeah. you know, not even like, not even want people to see your hands. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, like you said the the 
physical comedy reminded us of a silent film. My wife happened to be watching some of it, and she's like, oh, it's like Mr. Bean. And yeah, he also draws a lot from that as well. Yeah, which, I mean, I guess Mr. Bean also takes a lot from Mm. Chaplin. Mm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Oh, I I was very happy to see a very brief appearance by uh, British actor Richard Iodi. Yeah, uh, very quick um, cameo. As a forensic something forensic psychologist or something and he rubs marmalade on his gums like it's cocaine and that made me laugh <laughs> oh he has one yeah he has one very brief thing and gets a good laugh out of it yeah oh this this bit i forgot to mention this too the when when he puts the red socket and dyes everybody's uh, clothes pink i was reminded that uh, uh, in real life in the united states uh in arizona in the area run by uh the so-called america's toughest sheriff joe arpaio real piece of shit he uh, would dress his prisoners in pink uh, outfits. Okay. Yeah. I assume just to dehumanize them. And, I assume because he thought, ha ha, you look like girls now. Uh, yes, I probably a different word than girls, but yes, uh, I would have to assume. He's a monster. His, oh, he's a terrible. He's a fascist prick that then, of course, Trump pardoned, so. Yeah. Fuck you, Jar Pile. I'm saying it right now. Fuck you. And, and go Jason, to hell. Jason is challenging you one on one to a boxing match. No, I mean, the winner can donate the money to a charity of their choice. I don't know. I mean, I he's, it's he, going to take is, place at the Aiken Center. He is an old man, but Fredericton, New Brunswick. I'm very soft and weak, so I don't know. Bring your tickets. Bring your popcorn. Don't bring your popcorn. Buy your popcorn at the arena. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll. We'll pitch this later. We'll work on it. Arpaio um, versus McLeod. We'll, work, we'll workshop this on Twitter. Racism um, versus nice guy. I don't want to have to represent nice guys. Oh, no. <laughs> oh I don't mean that kind of nice guy. Am I going to have to get a fedora? Oh. <laughs> Not a nice guy who says he's a nice guy. How about that? I Okay, another line I enjoyed. When he's writing to his Aunt Lucy from prison and he's trying to like conceal the fact that he's in prison and he's talking about the benefits of the place and he says the security arrangements are second to none. That <laughs> <laughs> made me laugh. Oh, it was nice that Marmalade Sandwiches fixed jail. I don't know why they haven't tried that here. <laughs> it's worth a shot. Why not? I mean, it can't hurt. Can't hurt. I mean, I mean the worst, the worst, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're like, oh, Marmalade, oh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, in the scene we saw where they were discussing uh, actors being terrible, I like that they have their own murder wall for uh, the conspiracy that's going on with that, the red string and everything. That Sally Hawkins has been putting together. Yep, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, That's great. And we should talk about when we played that clip earlier, too, when Mr. Brown was questioning her yeah. and saying she doesn't have evidence. She points to her murder wall like, <laughs> this is uh, my evidence right here. There's a lot of phone booths still around in this London. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. I'm not sure. It's like a mix of old and new London because there's phone booths, but then you get references to stuff like J-Dog, yeah. which is clearly like a modern a thing to say. a modern thing to say. And, sure. and then you get all like the steam engines stuff, and, and the prison looks very like old-fashioned, mm-hmm. like you say, like the, the, the uniforms. I think it's almost meant to be like um, – I don't, I don't know if, you, if it can be placed in a time period. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, it, it clearly took place after, I think, 1992 because the kids had clearly seen Home Alone 2 because when they go to meet uh, uh, Phoenix's agent, they talk boy her. They record her conversation and then use it to uh, have a fake conversation with Phoenix on the phone. That is a great little scene yeah, because they <laughs> they say her because they bring some some buns over yeah. some, and and she says nice buns. Yeah, and and like she was saying that I didn't know exactly what they were using. I didn't realize they were recording at that point. So when she's saying that, I'm like, she's a teenager, and why is she saying this so emphatically to these kids? Like, oh, nice buns. Mm, those are some good buns. Like. If I was a little creeped out until I was like, oh, I see what they're going for. If she's an agent, she's probably very aloof. Yeah, that's a good point. 
<laughs> but they do use that, yeah, and they use that later to talk to Hugh Grant. And when they play her saying like "nice buns" by accident, and he's very Hugh Granty, is like, "Oh well, I've never had any complaints about mm. my Mister Buttocks." Is that what he calls it, like Mister Buttocks or something like that? Something like that yeah. He he has a nickname for his ass. <laughs> this movie has some serious Wes Anderson vibes, I would say. Yeah, a lot of like centered scenes, a lot of like the colors and kind of deep focus stuff. Like it, uh, clearly, this person liked Wes Anderson stuff and took some inspiration from it. I would say. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I like that style, so I'm happy to see it. Uh, like Fantastic Mr. Foxy and that kid must play Train Simulator. On, on his computer, I guess, if they have computers. I don't, how would he know how to drive a train? Just from reading books? Can you just learn how to drive a train I from mean, reading he, books? I he, mean, he knew a lot about steam engines. He did know a lot about steam his engines. His name is Jonathan Brown. Jonathan Brown. And he Not drives J-Dog. a goddamn steam engine. That's right. He should have said, my name is Jonathan Brown. I drive a goddamn steam engine. And last thing to say, when he threw that cricket ball at Hugh Grant, it's a good thing Hugh Grant fell forward because otherwise he would have gone out the ass end of the train. I was... <laughs> I would thought he was going to fall backwards. Yeah, well, because you'd think, like, the ball hitting him, that he would then go, ah, and fall backwards, and then, you know, die. But they didn't actually want to murder a man in this movie, so. Again, despite the fact that Mrs. Bird was perfectly prepared to do so. Oh, she, yeah. I I thought about that when I was watching the movie, too, Mm. and I was like, Jason's gonna, Jason's gonna mention this. (laughs) Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Bird was prepared to kill. She is the most loyal housekeeper you could possibly want. But Jason... This movie doesn't go to the Oscars for anything. Why? I don't know. Mm. You could have got... Because people don't like joy. You could have got production design, cinematography. Um, I would argue Hugh Grant, best supporting. Yeah, best supporting for sure. Um, but yeah, nothing. Um, but it goes to the BAFTAs. It doesn't win at the BAFTAs. Mm. But it is nominated for three awards. It is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay, which is won that year by Call Me By Your Name. Okay, yeah. Which I found out was yeah. written by someone we've talked about not that long ago, James Ivory. Of, of the Merchant Ivories? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Not crazy? Yeah. Nice. He's still, he's still busy. Uh, Best Supporting Actor Hugh Grant was nominated for a BAFTA, but the winner that year was Sam Rockwell for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yep. And this I want to question a little bit. It was nominated for Best British Film, which was also won by three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Now, I know that the director, Martin McDonough, is not from America. Uh But every single other part of that movie is in America. Was the movie financed by British people, perhaps? I mean, maybe, but that seems seems like a stretch. Yeah, it seems like just having a British director is a bit of a stretch. Now, listen, I I love Martin McDonough. Like, In Bruges, all those movies, he's great. And Three Billboards is a fantastic movie. I don't know if it's a British film. Yeah, come on, that's guys. like saying that's like saying. I mean, I'm trying to think of a British director that works. He, Ridley Scott. Yeah, that's like saying Alien yeah, is in a yeah. British film. Yeah, it's as British as they come, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you guys ever see that? Uh, you guys ever see that British film Legend? Um, but yeah, so this the, awards aside, again, this movie fucking critical praise across the board. Mm. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 238 reviews. A rare sequel outstripping its predecessor. And in film, I mean, in video games that happens all the time, but in film that's very rare these days. Like, you know, yeah. uh, Godfather 2 only happens so often. And this is the Godfather 2 of this era. And I mean, we should say... I mean, by 3%. The first Paddington still was 97% approval yes, on Rotten yes. Tomatoes. But, but for it to be even that yeah. much more beloved. like Yeah, yeah. Um, clearly one person came around. <laughs> Uh, it, it beat it, it, so the other record holders before that, like Toy Story Two, was a hundred percent with one hundred and sixty three reviews until it started getting a couple negative ones because people are insane. Assholes, yeah. uh, Lady Bird was another one that 
only got a negative review, I think, once they got to about 196 reviews. Wow. So one person was like, mm, women. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I'm sure it's great. Um, and then, yeah, so people just love this movie. Uh, Leslie Felperin of The Hollywood Reporter wrote, Paddington 2 won't save the world, sadly, but its existence makes everything just that tiny bit better and more, well, bearable. Oh, and everybody loves it. It's um, The Guardian ranked it the 69th best film of the 21st century. Up top, my brother. Paddington and 69. That's right. Right, right where he should be. <laughs> the budget for this movie, like I said, $40 million. It made $227.3 million. Now in that's Amer- a profitable sequel. Yeah. Damn. So uh, they did announce that a third one was supposed to come in January of 2021. However, not sure if that's going to happen yet. Well, we'll see. Maybe if, if theaters still exist by then, who knows? <sighs> they're they're opening up soon, man. As we speak, they're opening up in like four days. Wow. Uh, new movie, uh, Mulan, is going to be the first new movie release. Wow. In July. Crazy. Yeah. We might be, this might be bullshit by the time this airs. People will be like, Mulan never happened, guys. The, the entire cast was murdered. Yeah. <laughs> it's strange. The whole world's in lockdown again. Yeah. Sorry. Probably. Let's, let's, let's hope not. Mm. But Jason, we talked about Paddington too, so I want to I get your opinion because I brought this to you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't really say anything beyond this is a fucking fantastic, charming, wonderful, enjoyable film. It's an easy thing to watch with kids. I think the kids will enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. I mean... It's a, I, I, no movie's perfect, but I mean, this is basically a perfect family movie as far as family movies go. And if the previous one is even three percent less good, it's still pretty damn good. Do you think, like, on, on a future list, you would include this one? Uh, yeah, I, I think I, I don't know if it'd be this one or this first one. I'd have to see the first one to really make that call. But yeah, Paddington would certainly should be on there. I mean, yeah, some representation yeah, of Paddington, right? Because that's a sure. that's a huge like. Well, it's, it's a very important cultural British figure. I yeah, have to imagine it's a milestone. I mean, it's been around for. 62, I think 62 years Paddington's been around. So. Very sad. The um, the creator of Paddington died on the last day of shooting for either this one or the first one. I'm not oh. sure which one, but yeah. I think it was probably this one. I think I it was 27. I think it was this one, and I think they did it. That's why they have a little tribute for him yeah. in the credits. Michael Bond. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about, but what, did you enjoy Hugh Grant's musical number at the end? Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> I, I thought, wow, they really spent a lot of money for a sequence in the credits, but <laughs> hey, why not, right? And I love the little like new uh, clippings through throughout the yeah. credits that just say what everyone kind of did after because you don't need that in the movie. No, but uh, I did. I, I sent Jason a message. I said, "Don't you dare turn it off when the credits start because you I need to watch it. Hugh Grant's musical number in prison." I did, and I saw it, and it was wonderful. Yes. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing I could do but recommend this movie. Just yeah, if you're an adult, if you're a child, it doesn't matter. You I can't add it. much because I, I brought this movie and I love this movie and I would definitely put it on a list. Uh, a BFI top 100 oh. list, not oh, okay. any kind not just of any like, list, not any kind of like child predator list or something <laughs> like that. Um, the FBI's most wanted list, Paddington. But that's what I would do now, Jason. I know you have your pick coming up next week. I do, and I have a prediction in mind because okay. you didn't tell me. You haven't no. told me this is this is happening. This is live, no, folks. I, I did. I did give him some clues uh, uh, in that it is a it is a movie that's probably it's not super obscure. It's pretty obvious, and it's something I feel is a a. All right, so Jason, I wrote I wrote down my picks and my predictions here. What what is your uh, what are you bringing us, ladies and gentlemen? Next week's movie is a movie that is near and dear to me. I was kind of put off that James Bond had two representatives on the list, 
and this one didn't. So next week's movie is going to be the classic comedy, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, not what I thought you were going to say. What did you pick? I thought you were going to go with either Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. Oh, good calls, good calls, good movies to pick. But nope, I got a week because Life of Brian is on this list, but... Holy Grail might be the most iconic Monty Python movie, and I love any excuse to watch it again. So that's what we're doing next week, Brendan. So Jason's pick, Monty Python, The Holy Grail. It's a pretty obscure film. Yeah, I don't know if you can find it. <laughs> it's out there. It's on Netflix. It is on Netflix, yes. Um, so that's what we're going to do. So Jason, they can find us on all the social media. They can find us on Facebook. Just search for Fourth Screen. And country. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find me at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D on Twitter and listen to my uh, various right-wing political rantings. <laughs> not, not anything that happens. Guns! Guns for babies! He does dress in bear suits, though, oh, and yeah. says really inappropriate things. It, it's warm. I like it. It's comfy. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so Monty Python on the Holy Grail next week. And then, who knows, maybe we'll have another one shortly after because yeah. there's one on the list. So all i got to say to you, Jason, is God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen and Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Barely made it through that one. <laughs> oh, I'm going to bear my ass to you. Let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love your movies. We love the bad ones, too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh, yeah. Everything I learned from movies With a one last plot holes a gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com